You're listening to The Human Upgrade with Dave Asprey. Formerly Bulletproof Radio. For 10 years, across a thousand episodes and a quarter billion listens, my podcast has elevated what you knew about the capabilities of your mind and body. And because we're at the 10-year anniversary, I'm evolving Bulletproof Radio even further in my plan to upgrade humanity, and I'm evolving myself as well. I invite you to expand your knowledge, explore your performance, and embrace your possibility with The Human Upgrade. You'll meet bright thinkers and radical doers who push the boundaries of science, technology, personal development, and human performance in every way imaginable. Every guest you listen to, every topic you learn about, every new idea you discover on this podcast is there to move you forward. Join me on this next evolution to upgrade your mind, body, and life. And be sure that you're subscribed to The Human Upgrade with Dave Asprey on your favorite podcast platform so you hear every single episode. My commitment to you is that the time you spend with me on The Human Upgrade will always return more value to you than you spent on it. You're listening to The Human Upgrade with Dave Asprey. Today, we're going to talk about one of my favorite subjects, and it's getting enough D. As you know, I've been a huge fan of D for a long time uh, in various flavors. Uh, one of them would be uh, D3, uh, the kind of vitamin that's very important that you take. Uh, the other kind of D, uh, well, let's just say that it's uh, related to ED. <laughs> in other words, we're going to talk about male reproduction and I've got an amazing guest for you today. He's a urologist and a surgeon. His name is Dr. Paul Thompson. And we're going to talk about men and men's sexual health. We'll talk about erections, erectile dysfunction, uh, enhancement of penises, and things like that. Now, if you're a woman, you could say, why do I care? Uh, I'm done. I don't need to listen to this one. Uh, the odds are, though, that if you're a woman, you may have an interest in highly functional, larger potentially, or maybe smaller, depending on your taste, um, but whatever it is, and having D in your life as well. So this is going to be a really frank discussion. See what I did there? <laughs> Sorry, I'm in seventh grade. I can't help it. Uh, a very frank discussion about uh, all of the things uh, that a lot of guys wouldn't talk about, uh, about whether maybe you're sometimes experiencing erectile dysfunction, or maybe you're not, but you're saying, all right, is there another level? As you know, I believe there's a uh, limitless capabilities in people and there are levels you've never experienced so you haven't tapped into them and there are things that you can do and things that I have done uh, around health of the penis and we're going to get into some details here. So with no further ado, uh, Dr. Paul, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. How was that for an intro? Anyone talk about vitamin D before with you? <laughs> uh, not, not, in, in, <laughs> not, not, uh, no, that would be a no. <laughs> Uh, our, our live audience from the Upgrade Collective, my mentorship group, they're all laughing and rolling their eyes and making even more inappropriate jokes in our chat room that happens during the show. So it, it's already lots of fun. Now, I, I want to make sure that, that for listeners, if you're a longtime listener, uh, we've already had uh, back in episode, I think, 788, we talked about in the Sexual Energy series how to get more blood flow and we've had the founder and CEO of Launch Medical on to talk about a device. But what I want to talk about here 
is just clinical experience about what's really going on in the mechanics of the, the penis, uh, blood flow, nerves, and getting down to the root of uh, what we can do at any age with any level of performance to step it up a notch. And as a doctor, as a urologist, do they train you on this in medical school? No. No. You, you, I'll tell you a funny story. It's not really a story, but... In my urology residency, we were talking about erectile dysfunction. And I remember going to the chairman and saying, you know, I think if we optimize these guys' testosterone, it may benefit their erectile function. Yeah. His answer was, that's stupid. (laughs) (laughs) So 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 if you inject testosterone the next morning, you're going to have a bigger kickstand. How hard is that to figure out? No, not, not according to my chairman. If you inject testosterone the next morning, you're going to have a bigger kickstand. How hard is that to figure out? No, not, not according to my chairman. So when I left the university, I won't say after that, I won't say where, a very prominent university. I went into practice and I started to look at things a little differently. And it, it, it kind of, I mean, I've never forgotten that. I've never forgotten the fact that one of my partners, it, when I was a urologist, said he was so tired of listening to men and then talk about their erections and testosterone. And he said, I'm not using that testosterone. All it's going to do is make them feel better and get better erections. And I said, well, sounds good to me. <laughs> that's all it does. That sounds like a home run. It does but, a lot more though. But there's a lot more to, Oh, you know, if, if you want to do a show on, that's what I do now, wellness and, and, and also as a chief medical officer here, but I do pure wellness. And so I can talk for hours on the benefits of testosterone. The, 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 the point being, also is that you could take all the testosterone you want. Uh, if we have certain conditions, it's not, ultimately it's not going to help. And we have to do things to improve the quality of our erections and some things we can do on our own and some things we can use the Phoenix to help us with. Now you have an active practice in age management medicine. So you're one of the, the, we'll say anti-aging, although I'm not really a fan of anti-aging or longevity, which is kind of taking traction, but whatever you want to call it, you, you know a lot about aging. You've actually won very prestigious awards in that field, but you're also the medical advisor uh, to uh, launch medical, the guys who make the Phoenix, which is an at home acoustic therapy device. You could have gone in many different directions, but you also were trained as a urologist, so clearly it makes sense to to look at the penis as a potential for upgrades. What made you decide that acoustic wave therapy was the right approach of all the things you could do, like testosterone and everything else? That, and I'm not saying in place of testosterone. I'm not because there's so many. No, they're different. Yeah, I do both. Yeah. as we all do. And you said, when you started looking at penises, I've been looking at one in particular for 65 years, but (laughs) I will tell you that, um, I wasn't satisfied with what was going on with men. 
and and women as, as well. I see half my practice is females, but in yeah. this case, we're talking about men. So, ladies, don't be offended by this. It's it's we're focusing on men now. We'll, we'll you can take some of this and apply it to yourselves. Um, but we were seeing a marked increase in erectile dysfunction, and and even our men that wouldn't get a hundred percent improvement with testosterone. A lot of them got great improvement, but not a hundred percent. So there had to be more. And I wasn't a big fan. Uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to use the word that we're not supposed to use. I, I'm not a big fan of big pharma. I, I, I know they have um, a, a place in medicine, but the problem is we all rely on them. Instead of doing what we can do on our own and really improve the function, we just put a Band-Aid on it. We take the little pill. We let the doctor uh, give us an injection, a Trimix or prostaglandin E, or ultimately we have a device placed in our penis that we pump up and let down, or are we bend to get out of the way when we don't need it? It just didn't seem like the answer. And since I was in wellness, I don't like uh, anti-aging, and I don't use that word because I I, we're all going to age. Um, but I thought we should look at the root problem and see what we could do to improve it. And this was one of the ways um, to markedly improve blood flow. But at the same time, there are other things our men should be doing. There are other things, testosterone being one. But there are other things such as nutrition, uh, exercise, those things. And, uh, you know, you could talk about, you could do a, uh, a whole series of shows on, on just nutrition. So, so maybe eating less kale uh, would be one way I, to, have I a, have, to have a larger uh, penis. I have, I have absolutely abstained from kale for, uh, unless, it, you know, somebody tricked me into eating it, right. you know, hit it on my cheeseburger. But uh, uh, yeah, it's, that's not good. Uh, now, the reason I'm saying that it's not actually going to give you a bigger penis, but if you have problems with oxalic acid crystals, they actually do affect your kidneys, your bladder, and your urethra, correct? Correct. Okay. Correct. So, so guys, I, I don't hate on kale for no reason. I, I promise. There's just so many reasons. Yeah, it's <laughs> It's that reason and the taste, but other than that. Uh, yeah, there's the taste. So so back to uh, penises, uh, away from kale, I'm, I, even though kale's siren call is calling to me to say something negative again. But when I, I, I hear you say, okay, you can do nutrition, you can do all these things, I do have to bring up the uh, the little purple elephant in the room, <laughs> the little, little Viagra pills. A study came out right before we recorded this that showed a 69%. Okay, you guys get the irony here that, that of all things they could have found, it was a 69% uh, reduction in dementia symptoms and incidence of dementia amongst regular users of something that increases blood flow throughout the body. Uh, so I don't think relying on a pharmaceutical to do that is a good idea versus all of the other many things you can do. But what I want to know, and I actually don't have a good even frame of reference for this, if I use the Phoenix, which I do on my penis, it's creating more microvasculature in the penis. And guys, that means that there's more blood in the penis, which means it does change uh, in, its, uh, in its size. And 
I also, so I, I know that there's local effects, but what about the systemic effects? Because if you're taking this pill that's increasing blood flow in your brain, that's good. Do I need to be taking supplements to increase blood flow in my brain that are also going to increase blood flow in the penis? Or is the Phoenix more of like a local device, but the rest of me is still going to need something else? You want the simple answer? Yeah. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> you both. <laughs> the worst so that... guest in the world. Yeah. <laughs> okay. No, here, here's, the, here's the bottom line. If you, you can go back, let's just go back and, and let's talk about what's really going on and what I try and tell my, my patients. This is a systemic disease. We're treating an area that presents first. This is going to present probably a little before dementia, or you'd forget to use the device, obviously. Um, it's going to, it presents typically three to four years prior to heart disease. But what does that tell you? That tells you that vascular disease is systemic. We're treating it locally because there's marked improvement. But at the same time, I encourage my patients to use testosterone for the endothelial benefits. I encourage my patients, I talk to them, and I try not to kill him with details, but you can go back to, to Dean Ornish and, and when he did the studies on, on severe heart disease and he got everybody to be vegans and exercising and they stopped smoking and, and mindfulness meditation and every other intervention aside from his diet, right? Well, they, yeah, well, the diet part was kind of tough, but those people had reversal in plaque and they improved. And a lot of those people were, were cardiac cripples that no one wanted to operate on. You can go back to studies done in 1960 that looked at the exact same thing. Now, having, there was a time that I was giving, I was writing a book and I must be the slowest book writer in the world because I'm still writing. But <clears throat> I looked at my mentors, Dr. Jeff Life, who used to see in all the airline magazines, who's now a patient of mine, and then uh, Dr. Robert Willicks from, from down in Boca. And they were all vegans. And I, you know, I kept looking at it. And so I started to, I know, I agree. So I started to look at what, what just meat was doing to us and how inflammatory it was and what it did to nitric oxide production. And then how that affected both the penis and the heart. And the, the presentation in the penis was only due to the fact that the vessels are smaller. And the presentation is typically, I said about three years later, is when you start to see vascular problems in the heart. So it, I went and I did. I, I became a vegetarian. I couldn't pull the whole vegan thing off, but I became a vegetarian. Ten months. I lasted ten months. Again, I bet that those were not the best ten months of oh, your no, life. No, 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 because I love to barbecue and smoke meat and do all probably awful things, you know. Um, I've Those got, would not be the best ways to cook meat for no, longevity, but they no, sure no. taste good. I got Boy, you. they sure do. You know, there's nothing better than ribs or pulled pork. And so anyway, I, I, I've got tons of smokers and I, I would still cook for everybody and I, I wouldn't eat anything. Everybody's like, what are you, crazy? It was horrible. And I learned to eat around being a vegetarian. I gained weight. I'm, I'm like the only vegetarian in the world that got obese. Oh, you're not the only one. A lot of them do. I'm like the only vegetarian in the world that got 
obese. Oh, you're not the only one. A lot of them do. Vegans don't gain weight because they're so malnourished, but vegetarians become starch and omega-6 yeah, you, eaters. There right? was a study done with nurses. It's a really good study. And they, they looked at, at vegetarian nurses, and I, I don't know where they found them, but they found, like, it's like 35,000. And they proved that, that there was weight gain, and those people weight gain, it was the starches. You're exactly right. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. It's, it's obvious. So then I went back to becoming what I refer to as a flexitarian. And so you flex- have no standards? Is that what yeah, that means? Yeah, it's just because I want a title. People go, oh, what are you? I'm a vegan. I'm, well, I'm a flexitarian. You know. <laughs> so anyway, that's what I, that's what I, I am uh, uh, because I want a title and I want to feel good about myself. So I, I do look at it. I try and cut back on my uh, uh, on, on meat. I try not to eat as much and I try to increase my vegetables. I also exercise every day and I do those things. I avoid, um, you know, I don't smoke and I don't, I used to really enjoy a good cigar when I was in my forties and I've kind of, you know, I've kind of avoided that. I looked at, uh, you remember Rush Limbaugh. I mean, he was a cigar smoker and uh, t- terrible lung cancer and he's dead. So, yep. I mean, it's it's all those things, and I think they're. I try and get my patients. If I'm talking too much, just say Paul, quit. But <laughs> I try and get my patients involved, and I tell them that when they come to me, I said, "Look, this is a team. You call me Paul. We sit in the conference room. We don't go in my office, and we're going to go one on one. And I'm going to tell you why we're doing that because you're part of the team. You got fifty percent is you. Fifty percent is me." So yours is exercise and nutrition. Mine is supplements, hormones, and medications if I have to rely on them for a short time to fix their problem. And it really has to do with getting in there and treating the patient. Now, we use, um, we use things like uh, shockwave, acoustic wave treatments in the office, but we sure don't use as much as we used to. Now we, that everybody goes home with a phoenix. So, yeah. So, so what you're doing is you're doing a consult. You're telling people, here's what you have to do to change your movement. Here's the kind of stuff you should eat. Here's whatever medications you might need. And guys, I am really okay with medications. You just use them as a last resort and you look at risk reward on a per, per patient basis. But being against pharma doesn't make sense. Being cautious around pharma does make sense. And being against big pharma makes sense because they're acting like a bunch of jerks and bullies right now. So there, there's a difference there. But if you're saying, I will never take a pharmaceutical drug, I'm sorry, but aspirin is quite useful sometimes, and it's okay to take it. <laughs> so just, just as, a, as a philosophy behind the show, I, I, I always want to remind people, because some people come in new to this, and they're kind of anti-doctor, anti-drug. You, you can't be for or against something until you look at the individual case of it. Um, now, you're sending people home with the Phoenix, which breaks up microplaque in, in the penis, but... I've seen a ton of people who are in their 20s uh, since I started talking about uh, acoustic wave therapy and about the Phoenix specifically uh, get it. And they're seeing changes. These are not people with plaque. Um, In fact, they're not even people with erectile dysfunction, but they're seeing noticeable changes because of neurogenesis. In other words, it grows nerves. uh, And uh, vascular, whatever, vasculogenesis, whatever the medical term is, but basically you can grow angiogenesis. um, You can grow... Uh, new blood vessels, uh, which means 
very noticeable changes in, at least for some people, um, in, in size, in girth and length and straightening of uh, Perion's disease, Peroni's disease, however you say that. I, I always feel like it sounds like the name of a sandwich. Uh, but, uh, you know, straightening out of, of crooked penises. So uh, given all that, there's something else going on here besides fixing ED because people ate um, the wrong stuff and did the wrong things and had the wrong gut bacteria, which is an underlying cause. So talk to me about the mechanisms that are not related to having clogged arteries because there's something going on there. Well, I think it, it, what we're doing is is everybody has, and even even twenty year olds begin to have some problems. And we see, you know, if if you have forty percent of the guys at forty years old with erectile dysfunction, now that doesn't mean they're unable to have an erection. It means they have a decreased quality of erection. And we start to see that in some younger people as well. And we have a lot of guys in their 20s and 30s that use the device uh, kind of as a maintenance or almost, I hate to say it because it sounds silly, but it's kind of like going to the gym. They go to the gym and improve quality. And it, what some of those things you're improving is, is your response and that means the quality of erections, the the engorgement, um, and the production of nitric oxide, because that's endothelial function. And if we can stimulate growth of the endothelium and highly functioning endothelium, that produces nitric oxide, which we all know is essential for erectile functions. That's interesting because that's one of the points that I'm I'm drawing. I'm drawing on a whiteboard for you. That's why I'm in the air. I don't have Tourette's, but they, <laughs> um, it's, um, it, it, that's a function that is extremely important for, um, for erections, for open arteries, for dilation. And that's one of the places that meat, that's why we try and decrease our meat, increase our vegetables is because that meat blocks one of those functions right there in the endothelium with the nitric oxide production. Which, which function? Well, you, you lead from, as you come down from nitric oxide, um, I just presented this at a big conference in Dallas. Um, and you, as, as you go from, uh, the nitric oxide production down, then you have, uh, the next stage can be endothelial dysfunction with the nitric oxide decreased. Then you get oxidation of LDL cholesterol. And then once that LDL cholesterol is um, oxidized, it then gets absorbed into the endothelium. And then that's where you form foam cells. So that's the beginning of more inflammation in the wall of the vessel. Once the vessel, the intima, increases, that's an indication of damage, and that leads to poor quality erections. So if you can stimulate that endothelium, they already have testosterone that's helping. Uh, it may be diet-related. They may go out and smoke on the weekends. They may not. They may be doing everything perfect. But if we can stimulate that endothelium, we can uh, regenerate and improve the endothelium. When we talk about uh, dissolving plaque or breaking up plaque, we're really not breaking up the plaque. I mean, people always worry about, they go, well, I'll get a stroke. That plaque will be floating around. It doesn't break up like we think uh, a kidney stone, for example. Mm -hmm. um, it, this is kind of repair of that area. 
So that's the way I think of it, and that's the what we're seeing in the studies. Um, the success rate for all guys, and, and we were talking about this earlier here, is that we have such in the office, we probably have a 93% success rate with the standard acoustic wave office machines. And we have almost, well, real close, 98% success. Now, is that due to uh, the Phoenix being better than the office machines? I don't, I don't know, but I think it's very equivalent. And I think that we have a bigger pool of individuals. And I think that we have healthy young guys using it who love it. Um, and I think they're using it more often. I think a lot of guys are using it uh, once or twice a week as opposed to, you got to think, you got to go into to my office with five women and oh. and do all this stuff, and you got to pay it, 500 bucks every time you do expensive, it? It's expensive, and, and uh, it takes a lot of time. I, I've done the office treatments. In fact, there's a, an, a video on the show of me going in and getting it done. Don't worry, it's a video where you there's nothing you can't unsee. Um, but... So that there is value to it, but I've noticed an equivalence between doing it at home. When I say doing it, it it's the Phoenix is a little uh, little device. I mean, you, you have one on the counter next to you on the yep. video, uh, and mine's probably on the counter behind me. What you uh, what you do with it is you basically uh, use this little acoustic wave device that that it's uh, it's hard to explain. It just makes like a clicking sound, and it it makes an acoustic. Um, acoustic wave that goes through the penis and stimulates angiogenesis. So you you, you feel a difference for it. But I'm I want to go back to our our conversation about um, cholesterol and plaque and arteries and all that because there's two studies now where they're looking at isotopes. It looks like all the plaque that's in the arteries, or at least ninety plus percent of it, is provably made by bacteria in your gut not by eating meat. Uh, first, we do know that, that, and look, I'm a meat eater, so this is hard for me to say, but we do know large amounts of meat, say the the old Atkins diet where you just gorged on, and I did it. I, I did it back in the day, years and years ago. I did too when I was a teenager. Yeah, and it was fantastic. But uh, we do know that it causes inflammation. We do know that it blocks a few steps that we we need to, to uh, be open. So. That being said, I will now address what you're talking about, about bacteria. We look at a thing called C-reactive protein. High One of my top three markers in, okay. in all my recommendations, yes. Okay, I mean, we love it. So I, I've been looking at a high-sensitivity C-reactive protein, and it, it's a biomarker. It truly is a biomarker. If you've got a high C-reactive protein... There's several things that could be going on. One, an easy one is you're a COVID long hauler, which there are people that are COVID long haulers. And we see it and they come in with a, a C-reactive protein of 85 and you just about fall out of your chair when you see it. You What the? And then you figure it out. Uh, people with really bad GI distress can have really high C-reactive proteins. Correct. And that may be re, uh, have to do with the bacteria. No one's exactly sure it has to do with the irritable bowel and everything else. But what we do know and what we do, and this is interesting that you brought it up, we are now very closely tied to the dentist. So yes. when we see the C-reactive protein, we start talking to our patients immediately and they'll go, no, my gums are perfect. No, I never bleed. I don't care. You're going to go see this guy. 
This is what they do. They're great people. Um, I have a group uh, in in by Fort Worth in Granbury, Texas, of all places, that are just really into it. And they come in and they they check the levels of all these different bacteria, and then they'll start their treatments from from a wash to a cold laser to a to an actual laser to fix it. And so we really aggressively go after that bacteria. If you look at, and this may be one of the studies you looked at, if you look at the, the, the plaque or the thrombus that develops in a, in a heart attack, when you have a soft plaque that ruptures and you culture that, you can find that very bacteria from the gut and the mouth in that bacteria, in that uh, clot. So you're exactly right, and it's why we have uh, and we have started to work with the the dentists so closely. And so we just it's their part of the team now. I I just love this. You're an expert in age management, and you are talking about oral bacteria. Everyone's talking about red light therapy beds, and for good reason. There's a company called ARRC LED that's building an entirely new class of LED devices. ARRC LED beds integrate proprietary scanning technology and frequency protocols to shape the delivery of six different wavelengths in dose-optimized photobiomodulation. Yes, that's a lot of words. What it is, though, is that photobiomodulation improves the underlying energetics of the cells in your body. And those changes can benefit nearly every tissue and organ and system in your body. You change your cells and you change your life. For more information, visit ARRCLED.com. You're listening to The Human Upgrade with Dave Asprey. I, I just love this. You're an expert in age management and you are talking about oral bacteria. I've done several episodes recently on how... Well, really, the difference between your mouth and uh, and your butt <laughs> is they're both the same the same tube, right? And since things are starting in the mouth and ending there, if the entrance to the tube has the wrong stuff in it, is it any wonder that would have the most leverage for what comes out the other end? Uh, and the the data is very clear on that now. So oral health is is the start probably of cardiovascular disease, maybe through C reactive protein. But there's some other things that are really important when we're talking about uh, performance, uh, erectile dysfunction, and, and plaque. And one of the, the things that we're going to explain for listeners in a little bit is the other causes of erectile dysfunction that are not just blood flow related, that you could still hack with, uh, with the Phoenix. But before that, I want to talk in a little bit more detail about the, the connection between eating meat and plaque in the arteries, which seems to be something called TMAO. Correct. Uh, so TMAO is something that forms uh, if you have bad TMAO formers in your gut, which could be related to dental health, is probably related to whether your meat is grass-fed and how much uh, pesticide and how much meat you eat that's had antibiotics fed to it. So I don't need any of those things. Uh, so uh, I actually have tested myself. I do not have TMAO formers in my gut, which means that I'm not getting plaque from eating meat. So that means that you need to have um, a very healthy gut biome in order to do this. So 
I, as I understand it, this is pulling from memory, uh, and maybe one of the Upgrade Collective members will find a study while we're talking. I think about 40% of people don't carry TMAO bacteria, but the other people do. Uh, so that's probably something that means you can eat meat, and I do not have evidence of plaque in my arteries with lots of studies. And my C-reactive protein is low, my homocysteine is low, my LPPLA2 is low. Those are the three big markers that I monitor for those you're, things. You're, you've got a good doctor. Well, and I, well, that's I kind of am my own, even oh. though I'm married to one too. Oh. <laughs> so, like those, those are my. You know, for, now, for I need the, you to you know, say I've got a good doctor. I'm married. <laughs> there you go. I've got a good doctor. <laughs> but but those uh, and, and and so those are those are all markers that you would use as well, right? I use them on every patient. Okay, guys, listening to this. So, if your doctor isn't asking you for LPPLA2, which is an enzyme that's expressed when there's damage to your arteries, then you have a problem. If they aren't looking at C-reactive protein, you have a problem. And if they're not looking at homocysteine, you have a problem. And so you could ask your doctor for them, or you could ask your doctor, hey, what do you know about these? And if they say, oh, I didn't order them because they were too expensive and most people don't want them, then you have a conversation about how you're willing to protect your long-term health. And if they say, I've never heard of them, maybe that's the doctor to go to when your arm is broken, but not the doctor to go to when you want to live forever. Um, so so those are, are, are critically important, whether or not your cholesterol is high or not. What you said about LDL cholesterol, I love, because if it's oxidized LDL cholesterol, you have a problem. And if eating meat gives you oxidized LDL cholesterol, there's a reason for that. But usually eating oxidized cholesterol, like heavily cooked eggs would be an example, that's going to raise oxidized cholesterol. But total cholesterol, I probably care about it less than you do. Do you worry about total cholesterol if HDL is high and triglycerides are low? No. Okay, cool. Let me, See, I, I let love me tell the way you. you think about this. All no, right. <laughs> I, let, me, let me play. I, it's easy. I don't want to be cavalier. Yeah. I mean, my wife will tell you I'm not cavalier. But maybe I would like to be cavalier. Let me think about it a minute. But here's my answer to that is I do so much. I think looking at cholesterol is like being um, uh, uh, uh a contractor who's going to redo your house and he drives by your house at 50 miles an hour and makes a bid. Well, it's impossible. There you go. So if I'm going to get, I think if I just get cholesterol, it's a waste of time. I really believe that because with I find people all the time where the, with problems um, who have normal cholesterol. So what I do also with that, I also fractionate their cholesterol. I look at their HDLs, and what I tell them is, you know, I kind of simplify. I'm a simple dude, you know, so I'd simplify it for my patients. I tell them, look, your HDLs are good cholesterol. They're a trucking company. They haul your LDLs to the liver. So I'm going to look at your HDLs. No good if I tell you, hey, your, your HDLs are 55. That's perfect. But they're Japanese mini trucks. I want to have 18-wheelers. So I right. want large HDL. Now, the next thing I'm going to fractionate and look at is your LDLs. Because if I tell you, hey, your LDLs are perfect, they're 100. You go, 100 good? Yeah, it's okay. But your LDLs are tiny. Now, you could see that it doesn't take much to disrupt your endothelium for a small LDL to become a problem. So we like large, fluffy LDLs as well. We look at uh, some genetic, uh, genetic markers as well. Um, you know, once you get that, you never have to do it again because you know it's going to be there. Um, right. 
But those tests are really important. Now, depending on if I look at your, if I your homocysteine is terrible and then I find out you're a poor methylator and you can't methylate your vitamin B to use it to convert homocysteine to methionine and uh, throw off energy. So if your guy gets a B12 shot and goes, mm, I had no shit on that. That didn't help me. That's mm-hmm. because you can't methylate. If you can't methylate, you can't use, you can't throw off SAMe. That's done in the mitochondria. Um, so if if you're poor MTHFR, you know you're you're just not good at it. Which seventy percent of the population either doesn't have the ability or has the marked slowdown in the ability to to methylate their their B12. Then then we use methyl B12 on those people and and we lower their homocysteine because homocysteine in itself is very inflammatory. It's it's inflammatory. Yes. We don't like it. We we got to have it, but we don't want too much of it. And then and then the C-reactive protein we spoke about that tells us about the endothelium. Which and if your endothelium is bad, it's bad for your heart. It's bad for your for your for your wiener. Um, and your LPPLA two that's a pretty direct marker for plaque, soft or hard. And you know um, that's important in in regards to meat. I'll tell you about meat. This is my thinking on meat. I think most people don't have access to grass-fed. That is true. Meat. So, uh, and, and that's why uh, I kind of tell you. I tell my patients we talk about grass-fed, and they look at me like, uh, and I go, no, nah, it's really important. And then I'll talk to them about grains, how what we do with our grains when we grain feed. We treat that grain about a thousand times with anti-fungicides, anti-this, anti-that, and then they sit in bins, and then we pull them out, we dry them. This is after they've been sprayed with Roundup and everything else. So now we that we give it to our cattle and they ingest it, right? And so where does that accumulate? It accumulates in their fat. So you, you prefer to get, if you're going to eat those, you prefer lean, um, lean pieces of meat as opposed to fatty because that's going to have accumulation of large amounts of persistent organic pollutants, which are pesticides. If it's, you're saying if it's industrial meat, you want to eat, you, you want to avoid the fat. Yes. Right, because that's where all the bad stuff would be. Well, when you, and, and, and the, interestingly enough, when you, cows are supposed to be single leaf eaters, grass. That's what they're supposed to eat. Um, they're, they're not supposed to eat grains any more than we are. So if you look at that and you go, okay, I, I get it. You eat cows that eat single leaf grass. We'll just call it grass. They don't have all that fat. That's why they feed them all that grain. <laughs> exactly. I have three cows on my on my farm. They're not fat cows. <laughs> no, um, my- no matter how much of, of the good stuff they eat. But when they do have fat, it's a yellow-orange color because of all the tocotrienols and all of the other fat-soluble nutrients. And I eat every bit of the fat I can get off those animals. But it's a different fat doing because that? you're not, you know, it, it, you monitor your C-reactive protein, make sure everything's going right. If things get off the rails, then you, you start correcting. Um, I've been blessed with good numbers. Um you know, I'm I'm 105, and I feel good. You know, you know, I really seriously is I've been blessed with good numbers, and I I my dad's 93 and still plays golf and drives his own car and lives on his own, and 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 so you know, genetics plays a role. 
Other people aren't going to be as, as benefited and they, they are not going to be able to get away with things. Life's not fair. And that's, my mom told me that forever. And what's good for me is not always going to be good for another guy. He's got to be more serious about it. Uh, but those may be, you know, it, that may be some of the 20 year olds that are having I looped right back in. See how you looped right back into the Phoenix is those, those, uh, those may be the 20 year olds that are having some change, um, in a, in erectile function and they see marked benefit with, a with the, with the Phoenix at home. So I, I'm really pretty it, good about working that back. And you've got to, you've got to admit that it's, I, I am going to freely admit that. I mean, you are the medical director for the Phoenix, but what I want listeners to understand is that we've got a urologist an age management expert and a guy who knows a thing or two about erections and treats patients daily saying, you know, you got to pay attention to the quality of your food and what grains do to you because it's part of the system of having a, a well-functioning <laughs> penis. And at the same time, uh, having, uh, having a device that makes a difference, no matter whether you're having performance issues or not, uh, it's, it's important. But there's other elements. So, so one of the things that's causing um, problems with erectile dysfunction is you're getting clogging of the very small um, areas of blood flow in the penis. And you see that before you see other cardiovascular areas. But there are, uh, there's another thing around nitric oxide. And I am probably less a fan of nitric oxide than you are. And the reason is that nitric oxide goes in three different pathways in the body. And I'm leading up to a question, so you have to stick with me for a second. So nitric oxide, if you have the right, they're called NOS genes, it can go into endothelial NOS, which is the stuff that gives you wood in the morning. That's the good stuff. That's the healthy stuff that we want. But it can equally go to inducible NOS, which is pro-inflammatory, makes peroxynitrite, which also makes oxidized LDL. And it can also go into NNOS or neural NOS, which is good for brain function, probably, unless you have too much, in which case it may be related to migraines. So I look at nitric oxide as dangerous if it goes into INOS and beneficial if it goes into ENOS, right? But I don't know how to make it do that. So I, I actually never respond well to any of the beet products that people use to increase nitric oxide. In fact, I, I kind of wonder whether beet products are increasing nitric oxide to the point that people are dealing with more peroxynitrite, that they would have to take molecular hydrogen, which is the best way to turn off nitrite. What do you think about how we can get our nitric oxide to go into, well, frankly, into our penises, or in, it actually it's the same thing for a vagina, but how do we make it go into our vascular system instead of into the inflammatory system? Okay, a quick aside. You said the vagina, and, and you know, I just lectured. I told you, I just lectured in Dallas on this, and it was I changed from ED to sexual dysfunction. It's the same thing for women it, as it is. For it men. is. It's exactly yes. the same. They don't get the the play that we use for guys because, uh, for obvious reasons, uh, it's a male dominated world. No, that's not the answer. That just seemed like something funny to say. It probably didn't go over well at home, but. Um, <laughs> It, it, the, the reason is because they still can function. They they may not get the same pleasure or everything else, but it's it's exactly the same. Now, in regards to nitric oxide, one of the things we do is we do epigenetics. And I don't know if you've ever done your epigenetics. And the epigen it, it's a, a big part of my whole body of work. The definition of biohacking is change the environment around you so that you have full control of your own biology. It's a restatement of epigenetics. 
I'm, you know, okay. So, so, and I'm, I'm teasing. We're lying. Yeah. No, you're, you're right there. You're doing, you're, you're, you're right on. And, and the, I always tell my, my patients that, that this thing's too close is your DNA does not predict your destiny. And that we use things like epigenetics to affect DNA and go in and do things. So we work around it. So for me, I can't make any nitric oxide. You know, everybody say, oh, take L-arginine. That'll, you know, oh, take the beets. It, nothing works. And so I'd get the test strips. Have you done the test strips ever? You're, you're saying for you, you don't make nitric oxide? I cannot make nitric oxide. You, you know, I, I suck at the test strips. And if I get enough beet stuff to get the those things to come up, I have a headache and I feel like shit. Like it, it, it's bad. The only thing that raises it for me, the upgrade labs, we have this this new red bed that we're manufacturing. It's a whole bed of, of red and infrared and amber lights. If, if I lay on that, my test strip will go up. Uh, and it and it doesn't feel bad. Maybe it's a whole body thing. I I don't know. Otherwise, it doesn't go up. Uh, others in the upgrade collective, uh, Ava is saying same thing. No nitric oxide, no matter what she does. So what's going on with us? Why are we special? Well, um, you know, when I, I tell you, I've got to I've got to supplement nitric oxide. There aren't many people that have good nitric oxide available. Um, I have to supplement it, and and I do every every day. I take. Uh, uh, my nitric oxide because I'm zero and you can't be zero. You just can't. I'm always mm. depleted. You know, some people will deplete out through the day. I'm depleted. I'm white. That damn thing is white all day. And Do you want it, it to be red all day? I don't want it day? to be. I'd, I'd like mine to be pink. I know that okay. sounds really stupid, and I don't have. I guess a way we're, to, we're talking about test strips for nitric oxide that you spit on that turn pink if you have right. nitric oxide, or red if you have a lot, or stay white if you don't. We're not talking about and actual. I I've never had anybody <laughs> pass uh, a light purple, to be honest with you. And there's there's a couple. There's one that's a lozenge, and that mm -hmm. works off bacteria on the back of your tongue, and that's and it it does work. Um, and then there's another company that makes uh, capsules, and you just. Uh, you could take them once or twice a day. It, I, I'm, I do it. I do it once a day. That's enough for me. It's and funny I, you mention a lozenge and bacteria in the back of your mouth. A major uh, cause of low nitric oxide and thus erectile dysfunction is using commercial mouthwashes that sterilize your mouth. And the this is going back 15, 20 years ago. I said, well, I'm going to make my own. I don't want to take this crappy stuff. So I would use vodka instead of whatever stuff they had. I didn't drink the vodka. I would just use some vodka and a bunch of other herbals and xylitol and crap and switch it around. And I noticed dry eyes, which is a nitric oxide thing. And I noticed uh, changes in erectile function within a week or two of doing it because of sterilizing the stuff that makes nitric oxide in the mouth. So you do want to feed the good guys, right? Uh, which just, is interesting. If you use... Um, the the mouthwashes is that is one of the things we used to tell our patients when we use the lozenge. You can't you can't you can't you can't do that and then throw a lozenge in your mouth because it ain't gonna work. And so it, it, that is very true. There is a there is a, a mechanism for production of nitric oxide. It's a, it's really on the back of the tongue. It's uh, the bacteria on the back of the tongue, and that like. Any other part of your body, we have a microbiome. There's probably more, there is more DNA surrounding foreign DNA on us and in us than our own DNA, if you really break it down. So we have to have this microbiome. And uh, on the drive over, I flew in um, 
from uh, DFW this morning, and we were driving in uh, to the studio this morning, and uh, I was talking, and they said, well, what are you doing now? I said, yeah, my whole direction's changing. They said, what are you doing now? I said, microbiome. And you know, if you go back in time, it's all disease begins in the gut. And, and you, you, you have already pointed that out. You've directed the conversation that way. It's, it's very perceptive that I truly believe we're destroying uh, our microbiome and causing a lot of our problems. We're probably never going to totally get away from that. Listen, uh, we use petroleum products for everything. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and then, you know, you, you get your, uh, your, your steak that was fed. Uh, uh, it wasn't grass fed. It was grain fed because you got it at Del Frisco's the night before. I don't know if I should say that. And not that they're bad or anything. And then you put it in the Tupperware and then the next day for lunch, you heat it up in the Tupperware. Well, how much, how many persistent organic pollutants do you have in that dish? I mean, you got everything that was raised with, everything that ate, all the persistent organic pollutants that are trapped in, in, in the fat in that, and you just cooked it in a petroleum product. Not that I'm anti-petroleum, but I am for ingesting it. I don't go to the filling station and drink it. So I, I don't want that. But if you look at your house, most of us have PVC that brings the water into our house. So we are bombarded with things that destroy destroy our natural gut bacteria and which in turn destroys erectile function to be perfect it's not just gut bacteria so but a lot of those are endocrine disruptors directly that inhibit testosterone so even if they don't mess up your gut bacteria they're still keeping you from getting a heart on right if you have as a guy if you have breast and no erection and you're not you know there's no other reason it's probably the endocrine disruptors they're causing your problems it, and we're it also can that. be genetics right uh, um, yeah i mean they're sure i, I have uh, that by the way I, I was obese as a kid and i still to this day if i don't take aromatase inhibitors pharmaceutical or, or herbal i usually use herbals um, i will grow man boobs reliably if my testosterone levels are where they should be for anti-aging i get boobs and it drives me nuts. And I've talked with some Hollywood actors, like massive names. So guys who are like, yeah, I finally just had the surgery. I just couldn't deal with it. <laughs> right? And uh, so I have not had that surgery and I manage it. But man, if you ever see some pictures of me um, where I have man boobs, it's usually because either I ran out of the herbal stuff that I take. Usually it's chrysin and a couple other things. Or... Um, it's because I was exposed to some other inflammatory environmental thing and then my whole body gets inflamed and I usually get inflamed around my eyes like most people and around my man boobs. Why does inflammation focus there instead of inflammation in my penis where I want it to be? <laughs> That's the million dollar question. <laughs> you know, zinc also helps uh, okay. helps with that. Zinc really does. Zinc's kind of an interesting. A lot of people use zinc in play. A lot of people are trying to totally get away from aromatase inhibitors. They have their own group of problems. Um, so a lot, a lot of us are trying to really use those sparingly. Um, and, and for listeners, aromatase inhibitors, aromatization is when testosterone converts into estrogen in the body. And you can block it selectively. You can block it reversibly. Uh, and a common thing and something I did when I went on testosterone at 26 because I had very low testosterone, lower than my mom at the time actually, um, was, was under doctor's care. 
uh, as I went on testosterone and I went on something called a Remedex, uh, which is a, a very powerful broad spectrum aromatase inhibitor. And I don't use Aromatix regularly now. I might like once or twice a year if I feel like it, but it's usually, uh, and there, there may be brain issues with using it um, at higher doses. Um, but what I find uh, is that with herbals, I can manage it very well. But if I stop it for two weeks, I'm like, oh, look, uh, you know, I, I can see a difference in, in things. And this is someone who doesn't use stuff with uh, parabens that are endocrine disrupting. I minimize plastics in my home and my food. I eat animals that I grow myself that never even know what a grain is. I mean, like I, I do everything. I have a, or a garden with hundred year old soil and I walk through it every day. Like I follow my advice and I still have that, but it's genetic and I can see it on my DNA company um, results and everything else. So I, I manage it. So given all of that, I still though, um, actually I want to make sure we get there. So, so one of the things that let's say, we'll just put this one to bed for now is, is that we have blood flow issues that can cause erectile dysfunction. And the Phoenix is exceptionally well suited for doing that. But if you have erectile dysfunction because your testosterone is low or because it turns into estrogen, will you see a difference from using the Phoenix or from using acoustic wave therapy on the penis, even though, even in the case of low testosterone? Well, it depends on how low, but yeah, the answer would be uh, uh, yes, you're going to see some I results. I, I, it, I would believe that would be correct. Yes. I, you know, I don't you have, have to. You're going to see. Now, it may not be the quality you want. You may not get the quality you want, but you're going to. You, either one of them by themselves is not going to give you 100%. Together, it's just like I tell my patients okay. together, we get 100%. Apart, well, a little bit. Okay. But, you know, one of the things, and I, I know you should be driving, it's your show, but. I don't want to forget, to, and I apologize, I don't want to forget to talk about Peyronie's because it was the thing that hooked me on the very beginning. <laughs> you did not just say that. I know, I did, I did, I did, I did. Okay. Okay. Guys, Peyronie's is hooked Can we use penis. that? <laughs> Can we use that? I don't know. Uh, don't, don't. Okay, no one. We're just using between, it. It's just between you and I, right? No one heard that. Right, right. Okay. No one's listening. Upgrade Collective, plug your ears. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay, that attracted me to Acoustic Wave and started me get using it at the office before the Phoenix. I've used it for a long time. Was Peyronie's. As a urologist, so Peyronie's can be severe. Typically, it's secondary to an injury. And people go, well, I didn't injure it. Yeah, you do over time. It's intercourse, doing, you know, acrobatics or whatever you're doing. Or if you you come out, you bend it, or that, that's enough to cause scarring in those, in those corporal bodies. So there's not a good way to treat it. There's not. We would inject them. We would put creams on them. We would, you know, use the pump. And, and it was like. And guys go, eh, I don't see much difference. And then we started looking at, well, this is scar tissue. So the vascularity is compromised. And we started shocking them. And I, I hate the word shocking them. That's such a bad connotation. But we started performing acoustic wave therapy on the affected area. And we saw a response. And that's what really drew me in. And uh, we have guys using the Phoenix because no one really wants to come in and tell you about their 
their penis that's curved, that is drastically curved. I mean, you know, I tease them about having sex around corners. Um, it's uh, it's it's drastic, and and they they hurt their mate or they are uncomfortable themselves. And surgery is not the answer. There was a surgery um, where instead of fixing the plaque, they went on the other side and just scarred that side down till they straightened it out. Horrible. That sounds uniquely Western. It's sort of like cutting off your leg to reduce your risk of leg cancer. Yeah. Or yeah. So you don't limp, you cut off both legs. It it was a, I think it's a Nissan. I can't remember the name. It doesn't really matter. I I know I'm off. I'm I'm reaching way back into my residency. But, but then the next thing was, well, we'll just go in there and cut that plaque out. And it grows right back. Uh, It it doesn't work. And then the last resort is, uh, we'll put a penile prosthesis in. I'm going to tell you, the satisfaction with a penile prosthesis is not that great. And then somebody else calls better than nothing. I have, I have a penile prosthesis. I'm doing great, and I put in millions. And I hope he's my old patient who's calling in to say that. And and I I want to feel that it is. But I'm gonna tell you, acoustic wave is really simple, and it works. And it has to do with the the growth of blood vessels. Um, Yeah, you know, you may, you may, you know, some of our patients uh they'll get the phoenix in my office and then they'll come back and say hey will you do uh prp into it after i treat it so many times and we'll talk about it um some of the guys uh need the prp or they 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 get it and they do better some uh, the majority i don't i encourage them i tell them i don't know that it's that much benefit and um, I've done it, just disclosure for the audience, I've done PRP and stem cells injected uh, into my penis, uh, and I've done acoustic wave therapy, and I think acoustic wave therapy is by far the most uh, the most powerful thing. The combination is probably better, but I don't know how much better. But the, the results are, and I don't have ED, it's never been an issue for me, uh, but there were very noticeable size changes as a result of it. And I was, I was surprised and impressed uh, with, with that. Like the kind of changes when you'd get out of the shower and you see yourself in the mirror and you're like, what's that? (laughs) Because it doesn't look like it did before. And I'm talking both shower and grower mode. And I'm not trying to brag um, at all here, but this is something that as a urologist, you know about because guys come in, you're at the doctor's office and there's still probably most guys are like, I don't really want to, you know, talk too much about my penis. And I have a lot of women friends, as far as I can tell, not being a woman, when women get together, you guys talk about all sorts of boobs and nipples and vaginas, and I don't know, you're just, just more open to that. Guys, when we talk around, we're sort of like make jokes about how ours is bigger than theirs and how theirs got stuck in a door, right? Because we're guys and we're kind of perpetually stuck in uh, uh, in seventh grade humor level when we're all by ourselves. Uh, not always, <laughs> but if we're going to talk about dicks, that's what we're going to do. So um, what I want to do in this episode is just be really clear about it. But because I've been open, because I've put video of myself getting these things, uh, some of my friends or guys will reach out and say, hey, can I, can I ask you a question or two? And one of them did have Veronese disease. I said, all right, acoustic wave therapy, you know, get one of these. And he did. And about three months later, we were on the phone and he's like, yep, uh, that was a magic. <laughs> like it, it fixed it. This is amazing. It's been a lifelong problem and it, it was fixed. So there, there is definitely something you said about getting a signal. This is an acoustic wave, so getting a signal in the body to cause it to change. 
which well, there's is a, there's uh, a couple of things that happen when you use acoustic wave and the studies have been done you know if we if we use you, you, i'm gonna back up real quick and i'm gonna say flight of ideas i know you've got a non-healing ulcer on a diabetic in a leg okay acoustic wave treatment that's where all the vascular properties were first discovered and that the guy who did a lot of that work was one of my early partners in another uh, shockwave company that was uh, kidney stones for kidney stones. Um, and, and he was over in Europe and he did a bunch of studies and it, that's where we first started learning. Now, when we bring it to the penis and we're trying to increase blood flow, trying to increase blood flow in plaque that's avascular and we're tr trying to improve it, you have to say, well, what, well, how does that work? And you go, so you've got to cut some penises off. Now, thank God they, 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 they you know, I can't get any volunteers. I mean, but um, they, they did it, and I believe it was rats. And the stem cells that are attracted to that area, when, when you, after your treatment with acoustic wave, the stem cells are, it's a huge number of stem cells. They, they go there because they feel like there was damage, but there wasn't actual damage. Right. So you're sort and of so signaling now, it. Yeah. When you get, you got to remember, when you get stem cells in there, then that's the release of all the nanoparticles and all the little, I call them, you know, you got the mothership stem cell coming in, the little fighter guys that go out to do everything. And, and then you get all the growth factor that's coming in. And that's where you begin to see the revascularization. There's no way else to get, you're not going to get the plaque revascularized. So that's a whole group of guys that uh, um, are hopelessly lost right now without without something like the phoenix and that the cool part is they can they can treat it a couple times a week at a minimal cost they don't have to take off work they don't have to go into the office and and drop their drawers and lay on the table and you know and, a, and it's always cold in the office and you know you know what happens and and you're trying to it's a young nurse doing the procedure and you're oh god so it's uncomfortable. Can, can we pause for a second there? Um, I, I want to just just say something to people listening. I know a lot of nurses and uh, female doctors um, who do this procedure just because I happen to network with a lot of them because of this show and because of what I do in the world. All of them have stories from douchebag guys, not most patients, but a few patients who are super inappropriate about that, including a couple doctors. And I was were like, I'm not going to do this anymore. Um, so if you're that kind of a guy... Go see a guy doctor to do this, or just don't get it done and go see a therapist. Right. So you have to be polite when you go in to do it. All right. <laughs> That's my PSA for the day. <laughs> Keep going, Paul. No, Dave, we have the stories. <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> my, my girls come out and they go, uh uh. That's it. Go, okay. I got it. I take care of it. But yeah, I, we got the stories. But so I, it's just it's the thing. It goes back all the way back to. I told you the typical success rate with acoustic wave is 93. We're experiencing 98%. That means only 2% of the people who get the Phoenix return it. So what that tells me, it's, what is it, 795, whatever it is, 800 bucks. 
Yeah, there, we, uh, most I have a code. People, Anytime we talk about something on the show, that there's always a code. Let me figure out what it is. We'll yeah, announce it for everybody. Yeah. Now. Go to getmyphoenix.com slash Dave, 100 bucks off. So there you go. Oh, look at that. I get mine there. So the, the, the thing is, they're going to get it done and they're going to do it at home and they're going to make the time to do it. It's just like going to the gym. It's nice to get a gym membership, but if if you're not getting into the gym, you don't make time to do it. You're not going to see any benefits. This is one that when you have this device, you'll make the time to do it. And it's not racking up 500 bucks every time. You're not driving over. You're not missing work. You're not late to get home. It's, it's just too easy. I mean, I hate to be, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to sound like a salesman, but it's, it's just too easy. My, uh, understanding of this just from having talked with a, a bunch of friends uh, who've done this and from having done it myself and, and seen just market changes. Uh, this is probably the lowest hanging fruit. See what I did there? Uh, in, in order to, uh, in order to get you uh, erectile function, uh, whether it's already satisfying to you or not, there's probably another level. I was, wow, okay. I didn't know it could do that. Uh, and then if you are having actual medical problems, you should do everything we talked about and get your gut bacteria in order and eat grass-fed and don't eat um, omega-6 fats and all the lifestyle stuff and sunlight in the morning and get good sleep and testosterone levels up and we could go on for another half hour with the list. You should do all that stuff. But in the meantime, if you wanted things to work, this is a direct intervention that I think is worthy, which is why you know I wanted to have you on the show to talk about it. There's... A couple of questions from the Upgrade Collective here um, that I um, that I want to make sure that I get. Uh, Ness actually has two questions for you. Uh, one of them is how many sessions, and just come with instructions. I know it has instructions, but how many sessions of the Phoenix does it take for the average person to see results? Well, there's going to be a big group of people, a big group of people. They're going to see results. They're going to see results after doing it one time. Now, can I explain that? I, I really can't tell yeah. you physiologically, but people talk about it all the time. I tell my patients that I want in 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 office just because it's three thousand dollars. We do two treatments, um, week one. Then we do two treatments week two. So again, you, you understand how much time off and work and everything else that is. And then we do one a week for two weeks. So we do six. The majority of people need 12 treatments. Okay. And a treatment's what, about 10 minutes? Uh, 10 not, to 15 minutes. Not in the yeah. clinic, but I mean with the Phoenix. So yeah, it's about at home, 15. Well, I tell you 20 minutes, but 15 to 20 minutes. Okay, so at home, you basically um, find a, a relatively uh, a quiet room because um, people will hear a click, click, click sort of sound if you care that they hear it. And then for about 20 minutes, you get your dick out and you push the thing against different parts of it, like a little like jackhammer-ish sort of thing. Some people use a numbing cream. I don't find that it's necessary uh, when I do it. Um, but if I, uh, when you do the clinical stuff, uh, they always do it. But at home, uh, the Phoenix comes with some cream, but I, it's just not necessary. And then magically, Two days later, that's weird. It, it's it works better than it did before, even if it worked fine before. And then over time, you're sort of saying, "Wait, hold on, something shifted here." Um, that's been my experience. It's it's pretty neat. I have people that that we've treated who call me and go two treatments. I have not had relations with my wife 
in years, and we did last night. And they say, is that right? And I go, yeah, yeah, that's right. You're telling his story. I, I'm agreeing with you. Can I explain that? No, because what I would tell my patients is we're going to, it's going to take six to eight weeks to begin to see the, be- the real long-term revascularization. Vascular neogenesis. Yeah. It's going to take about that long. Maybe up to three months, but three months is long. But at the end of three months, you know you, you know what you got, so you you go to retreat. The, one of the ways we're recommending on the, on the Phoenix, and again, this is one of the reasons we have such a high success rate, is we're doing it twice a week for a month. Those guys see results, and those guys, those guys get results. Now, I, I think... You know, it like any guy, if a little's good, a lot's got to be great. And that's not true. That's true for some things. I mean, not that many, not no, for keto, I, not for fasting, not for exercise, not for vegan diet. It's, a, it's, an, no, it's an inverted Those aren't any of the ones curve. I was thinking about. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I, no, I, you're exactly right. I was going to bring up exercise. Yeah. Because. When do you get results from exercise? When you go home. You don't you tear stuff up there. So we're causing the micro trauma and then we heal. So the 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 real numbers show that the best results are when you use it twice a week. And I'm telling you this this stretching it damn I was going to say stretching it out, but I, you know, I'll give up on that. Um, they should have hired a real guy to do this besides a doctor. But anyway, this this taking it out a month, I get. It, you know, when when I talked to you about ninety three or ninety eight, those are the differences. Those are the differences we see with with our product and how we use it. Um, and, and I'm. Uh, I'm impressed with, obviously I'm impressed. I'm, in, I'm involved with this and I got involved because I was so impressed with it. And I'm telling you, it, it, the results with the Peyronie's is a closer. It's, it's, it's the deal. As a doctor, if you can fix that, that's the hard one. See what I did there. Uh, but it, it, if you can fix that, the other stuff is actually less difficult. So I, I yes, get it, it there. And we know it okay. works. And we know it works with erectile dysfunction. We know it works with erectile dysfunction. I'm telling you, it works with Peyronie's. Now, if you have a Peyronie's plaque that's been there for 50 years, it's going to take a while. But we're probably going to see improvement. So I, I push for that, and I and I tell I give those guys hope because I, I know they're tired of having this injected into it and this cream put on. You know, everybody came up. Anytime you have a problem and there's 15 different cures and none of them work, it's because none of them work. Because when we find something that works, we all use it. Yep. There's one way to fix a hernia right. There's one way to, and there really is one way. There's little nuances, but there's one way, and and this is the way. And it it, it uh, it's very impressive. And and it they've when the urologist um, start to put it in their in their uh, papers, their scientific studies, that's pretty good. So. 
So it's, I, I, I will just say it sounds a little bit too good to be true. My job really at the end of the day with the human upgrade and what I've always done in biohacking is I go and I try almost everything that, that has some degree of, of potential to it, even stuff that I don't think will work. Uh, and I, I curate and then I toss out the vast majority of stuff and the things that are worth it because they have enough chance of working and enough degree of working that I'm willing to talk about them, even if they're kind of funny. Uh, like this, and you're saying, really, you can use acoustic wave therapy on your penis, and it'll work better, uh, no matter what state it's in today. I actually think that that's true for the vast, vast majority of people. But there's one proof point beyond urologists. And this is a question from uh, the Upgrade Collective from Ness. So is this popular in the adult entertainment industry? <laughs> yes. It is all right. I thought it, I thought you were going to say that, but there you go, guys. So if porn stars are using this. You can too. Hold and, on, and there's hold, one other Dave, thing. Let me ask a question. Yeah, go ahead. Do we have? Do we, they have access to some of those videos? <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. Paul's asking his team if they have access to those videos. No, I'm like, not I don't think I want to see those videos. videos. <laughs> they are. There's a group that yes, we're very popular with that crowd. And, all right, and, good and, deal. And, yeah, I, I thought you would be. Um. Okay. You got to remember, I, I'm a urologist, so that makes me a perpetual adolescent. Uh, hey, it's I, a, it's I'm just, with you. <laughs> just I, I have a seventh grade spirit animal that's very strong. <laughs> yes, we still tell fart jokes and you know all this stuff. That's just funny. Now, um, two, actually, a couple more questions, and one more of sort of the the Dave PSAs. There are a lot of guys who probably won't talk about this with their wives uh, if they have a problem with ED, right? And it can cause all sorts of weird mental problems. And I know you've seen this in your practice. And, you know, the, the guys say, we haven't had relations in years. And suddenly, oh, look, it, it worked. Um, if you're a woman and your husband is dealing with this, whether or not he talks about it that much, if you get a phoenix as a gift and you put words around it like, I really like your cock, He's going to be very receptive to that. <laughs> so that's how you give it to a man uh, without him feeling like you're criticizing him. Uh, and if you say, I don't like it, it's not working well enough, you know, maybe you can make it better, he's probably going to not really want to use it. So just be kind, especially if you're dealing with someone that you're in a relationship with who's, uh, who's sensitive. It's funny. I wrote a chapter in a textbook a couple of years ago on that very thing it Beautiful. was the, the it was the couple and it wasn't it was it, it, you know i even changed all all the words so it was very inclusive to all types of relationships and yes that was diplomatic wasn't it but it was really that supportive thing and and most guys they said oh i can't talk about it with my wife she doesn't know yeah, dude, if it's been, she, <laughs> Trust knows. Me, she knows, she knows. Okay. <laughs> so if, if she takes the time and the interest and, and, and loves you that loves you enough that she wants to have sexual activity with you, I'd say go for it. I, I wouldn't turn my nose up at that. I mean, what more could you want a supportive wife or, or one that one that's making fun of you? I mean, that was really the basis of the guys who had uh, a, a supportive mate um, did so much better. And there's studies on it. Yeah. And and just in, in terms of, of giving it as a gift, it could land as, you know, I'm not satisfied or it could land as I want more. 
Uh, and as long as it lands as I want more, I think most guys are like, oh, that's a pretty cool gift. Uh, and, you know, it, it can be seen as initiating more sex or it can be seen as rejecting or complaining. It might uh, be, one, it might be a careful. gift that you give, um, you know, when you're alone. I, I don't know that I have. Yeah, under the under tree the with tree. the kids, that's going to be great. Yeah, uh, I, I, I would parents all in the room, it'd, it'd mom and dad, grandma, and grandpa there. Uh, <laughs> probably not a good idea, but that, that's a TikTok video waiting to happen. You know, giving someone that gift, <laughs> that probably a bunch of those just to see the look on people's faces. I would do that absolutely. Um, okay, and there's uh, other questions coming in. There's two more from the Upgrade Collective here. One of them is around uh, foreskin. And I'll, I'll be straight up, uh, guys, I am circumcised. I think circumcision is bullshit uh, because it's the same rationale as saying I'm going to cut off my leg to prevent potential cancer because there are nerves and there are things in foreskins that are useful. And I think it's male genital mutilation, but it was a common practice and I'm opposed to it philosophically. Uh, I'm not probably going to regrow my foreskin because it seems like more trouble than it's worth, but people are actually doing that. Any data on foreskins, on using the Phoenix to uh, to grow a foreskin, or does it matter if you have a foreskin, if you're using the Phoenix? Kind of talk to me about foreskins, blood flow, and Phoenix. You know, I agree with you. It is mutilation, and I'm, I'm anti-circumcision. Uh, you know, obviously, I leave it up, but I'm not a, one of the urologists that believes that everybody has to be circumcised. Having said that, in regards to regrowing foreskin, I don't think you're going to see uh, any improvement. Yeah. Um, in regards to treating uh, the penis that's in an uncircumcised individual, uh, it, that's really sad when we have to call it an uncircumcised. Like circumcised is not in a normal yeah. penis. Let's just call it that. <laughs> Fully in intact a, penis. Yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> Undamaged. Okay, that's what, what say? <laughs> yeah, intact penis. The, the results are the same. Um, you know, it, 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 it works fine because you don't have to go. We don't treat the, the glands that's itself anyway. And so we're treating the, the corporal bodies and, and it's fine. There's no problem at all. No problem. The results are exactly the same. So it works the same. And do you, do you pull the foreskin back to treat it or do you treat it? Some people do and some people don't, and, so you know, it it's, really it's up to the, uh, operator. Um, some people find it easier to pull the foreskin back and then stretch the penis out to get the full length. Okay. And so that's that's a little easier if you're trying to pull the um if you're trying to pull the sh the shaft out to treat the whole thing to get it a little more exposed. Um if you're pulling on the foreskin, you're not doing anything to the body of the penis. So in that case you could pull the the foreskin back is as okay. long as it comes back easily and then uh, uh, grab the, the glands. I, I typically, if I'm doing it, I'll use just a little four by four or something that, that, cause most, you know, we have the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the conduction cream on the penis that makes it a little, uh, uh hard to hold on to slippery. Um, and, and so I, I pull the foreskin back and then grab the glands and then treat it that way. It's the way I do it. And it just makes it easier, and I know I'm getting the whole shaft. I want to get as much of that shaft as I can and, and treat the whole thing. It makes uh, it makes a lot of sense that it would it would work the same way. And so there, there's, like, very straightforward ways to do it. And I don't know if on social media people are going to get all upset about the circumcision thing and talk about religion or whatever else. Look, I'm just saying 
there's enough data at this point to say that that's not a medically appropriate thing to do. And there's also trauma considerations. And I know enough about childhood trauma through the neuroscience stuff that I do that I'm like, guys, come on. Like we can just, we can do better. But well, we can all okay agree that wrong. it's it's okay to have a difference of opinion. I don't have to dislike you. If you Paul, you, come on. If someone disagrees with you, you have to hate them. I mean, haven't you been watching the news? Yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. Okay. You know, now, like, on, <laughs> on that note, uh, one of the other questions, in fact, the last question for the interview is also from our Upgrade Collective uh, members. And there has been substantial talk of long COVID. Uh, am I allowed to say that still? Or are they going to like like sink the show into oblivion because I said the C word? Uh, you can say cock, but you can't say COVID apparently. Anyway, um, with long COVID, erectile dysfunction, is it a thing? And are we seeing a general increase among uh, in erectile dysfunction, whether or not people have had uh, COVID, or is there a relationship between that disease and erections? Well, that's a great question. Um, I've not seen it. It does okay. concern me when I when I start looking and seeing those extremely high C-reactive proteins because we don't know how much of that is endothelial damage and what's going on. And we do know um, that the, the spike protein can cause inflammation. And so if it caused enough inflammation, we could have some change in erectile function, theoretically. I can't say that because I don't know this. I don't know if there have been any studies done. I've only had... I don't really publicize the fact that how I deal with, with COVID just because of all the pushback. Oh, it, no doctor can't anymore. There are, there are literally medical boards pulling people's licenses for using their training as a doctor to help people. It is unconscionable. It's, a, it's, it's the unethical first time and it's ever wrong. that we can't use, we can't have off-label use. From, we use off-label, we off-label use medications since I, and I was a doctor when I was 24. I've been doing this since I was 24. Um, so uh, over 40 years. And we've been using off-label meds for forever, and now we can't. Um, something's not right. But that's a whole other topic. Uh, in this case, I've only seen a few, um, I call them long haulers, but, uh, and, and um, boy, they really responded to treatment. I won't tell you what the treatment was, but yep. um, some people call it, you know, the horse medicine. Uh, anyway, um, so I've not seen, and one was on a female, so I can't tell you if she had erectile dysfunction or not, but she didn't ex express any sexual dysfunction. But I don't know, and I've not seen any literature on it. But it kind of makes sense. Um, it, uh, it, it does, it does make sense um, that there could be some, I haven't heard a lot of complaints about that as all, but if you have generalized inflammation, cause IL six, the uh, interleukin six is high, um, you're probably going to see a reduction in blood flow everywhere, uh, which is a part of it. And you do see increases in blood clots, uh, from it and clotting and thickening of the blood and all that. So, um, I, I can see why that's a question from uh, from the group, but I, I haven't heard that much about it. And I, uh, like you, think it's kind of sad that licensed, trained doctors um, are being, uh, uh, it's being held against them when they treat to the highest medical standard, um, given their knowledge of, of patients and all. So this never happened in the history of uh, the American Medical Association uh, and in the last hundred years. So it, it's a it's a truly weird and sad time. And 
The best doctors that I know are still doing it. They just aren't talking about it. And I'm talking about a lot of them. Uh, and they're all scared and they won't do it unless they trust you because they're putting their license at risk every time they do something that could save your life. And it's not cool. Uh, and that's, you know, off topic for talking about erectile function and all. Um, but I think it's important on the show that you know, we talk about it. And and the here we hear it from a urologist who treats a lot of people. He hasn't seen an increase in erectile dysfunction from long COVID, uh, which is uh, uh, which is not to say that you want to get long COVID. You don't want to get long COVID. <clears throat> I believe long COVID is preventable. Um, but again, talking about it gets yourself banned. So there you go. Except on Telegram. Um, I'm at Asprey Official on Telegram if you're on there. Wow, you can talk about all sorts of stuff. It's kind of cool. Um, guys, I want to make sure that you got the URL I mentioned earlier. Getmyphoenix.com slash Dave. Use code Dave100, and that'll save you 100 bucks. The device is about 879 and they'll ship to most locations in the U.S. And I don't know, do you ship it internationally at all? I don't, it's, you're a medical advisor. You're not uh, no, a full no, we company. Do you I'm, know? Getting a, I'm getting a nod from... That you can ship elsewhere? From, from the producer that we do not ship outside the United States yet, which was, which is something that we're, I know is, is in the works, but not yet. Most people who live outside the U S who want to uh, order things in the U S it's very common to have a drop ship service. If you Google drop ship in the name of your country or U S the name of your country for not very much money, you can have a U.S. address and then you just have to pay for shipping to that address and then they reship it for you, usually with like a $10 fee. So that's a way to do it. And I, uh, I truly think that there is a great future for getting signals into the body, whether it's a chemical signal, a peptide signal, uh, a light signal, which is what my True Dark and uh, True Light companies are doing, or an acoustic signal, which is what the Phoenix is doing. And this acoustic signal that says, hey, time to grow new blood vessels and new nerves in this location, it's an important thing. And it's different than what we used to do, which was cut out scar tissue. Instead, we're putting the signal and it says grow here. Um, it is a shift in the way of thinking about medicine, of thinking about biohacking, thinking about our relationship between our, our bodies and our environment. And acoustic waves are a part of our environment that tells the body, hey, pay attention here. And it turns out when you pay attention there, you start saying, hey, there's noticeable changes. And I, I will just tell you 100%. This stuff works because I've seen it myself and I've talked to enough close friends who've used it and seen the difference. So I'm uh, 100% behind this idea of acoustic wave therapy. The cheapest and easiest way to get it is the Phoenix. Getmyphoenix.com slash Dave and, you'll say, and use code Dave100. I'll save you $100. Paul, thank you for being a, a straight shooter, uh, long-term age management specialist, uh, and for focusing on this and having the, the hard conversations with me. I enjoyed it. <laughs> I don't know how many dad jokes I missed throughout the entire conversation, <laughs> but I did my best. Uh, guys and uh, women who love guys or guys who love guys, uh, telling you this thing is, uh, it's real technology. It, it does work. It is not too good to be true. Uh, and uh, it's worth talking about. I'll see you all on the next episode. And thank you, Upgrade Collective members, for being in the live studio audience. You're listening to The Human Upgrade with Dave Asprey. The Human Upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. 
The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media.